And moms and dads, Luke chapter 11, if you would turn there for the message today. You've already heard part of it. So a friend comes to visit in the midnight hour. Now what is a friend? That's an interesting thought. What is a friend? A person, this is a technical definition, okay? We're going to expand on this in a minute. But if you go to the dictionary, at least the dictionary I looked at, what is a friend? A friend is one who knows and with whom has a bond with you, a mutual affection, uh, or family relations. So, so someone who knows you and loves you anyhow, knows you and likes you anyhow. That's what a friend is. So uh, you can have a best friend. And uh, I got a best friend in the front row here. I've got some other really good friends, really close friends. Someone said if you have more than three or four really close friends, you are blessed indeed. So there's not a whole lot of people that have a whole lot of really close friends. So if you have three or four, you're blessed. And if you have more than that, you're really super blessed. So friends are important to it. Then we have casual friends. Someone that you might say hi to, maybe a neighbor. You don't really know them. You don't know anything about them. You try to learn. You try to figure out stuff about them, but you, you really don't yet. So you don't really know them very well, but they're kind of casual. So let me ask you the question in light of that. Are friends always welcome at your house? Depends. If they're a close friend, best friend, casual friend, someone you just don't even know at all, really? And, and, then, and then make it a little bit tougher. What about if they knock on your door? At midnight. I don't know about you, but when people are selling things door to door, I don't even open my door at night. I, I mean, if it's dark, I say, you know, I talk to them through the door, look at them through the peephole, but I don't want to open my door because I don't know what's going on in today's world necessarily. So to me, it's just common sense. If it's dark, they ought not. Besides, my mama said, when it's dark, you get home. Um, and, and she told me that so many times so long ago that it still, it still works for me. I go home when it gets dark. So so our friends always welcome. The operative word being always. Well, what about at midnight? So in Luke chapter 11, we have someone who's standing at the door. They have a specific need. And, and i got to tell you, God wants to meet our needs. God wants to meet your needs today. And he often does so. This might be a revolutionary thought for some. A lot of times he'll meet our needs through someone else, through another person. He won't necessarily... I mean, in this story here, God doesn't hand loaves of bread down from heaven, though he could have, because he caused manna to fall in the midst of Israel's camp for 40 years. So he could have sent down three loaves of Wonder Bread. Does anybody know what Wonder Bread is? Do you remember when it only built strong bodies eight ways? Huh? And then it went to 12 ways? Huh? Yeah. I'm old school here. You don't get this everywhere. I'm telling you. So... So uh, he could have, but a lot of times he will provide what we need through other people. And, and sometimes he'll provide what others need, are you listening, through us. Sometimes God operates through us to meet other people's needs. Now, here's the honest truth. I'll make a confession today, okay? Sometimes I don't want to cooperate with God's plan. I'm just being honest with you. Sometimes I don't want to. If it's midnight, I don't want to. I am comatose at midnight. I start getting semi-comatose, about depending on what we're watching on TV, uh, 
about 9.30 or so at night. It didn't always used to be that way, but you just wait, guys. It'll, you younger guys, just wait. Huh? Yeah, it'll happen. So sometimes we don't want to cooperate with God's plan. It could be for a variety of reasons. It may not have anything to do with midnight. It may have to do with the person who, with whom we're supposed to cooperate and, and do whatever it is that God wants us to do. So one lesson of, of many in this parable is don't give up, don't quit, keep praying. The answer will come through if we're faithful. So let's see the need. Let's kind of take the verse apart a little bit. Beginning in verse 5, we see the present need, seeing the need, the present need. And he, that is Jesus, said unto them. So these are words in red print. These are Jesus' words. By the way, if you have a red print Bible, red print is no more inspired than the black print in your Bible. However, when Jesus speaks, E.F. Hunton even listens. You know what I'm saying? So, so I mean, when Jesus speaks, that's, that to me is you've got to pay attention. And when he, Jesus, said unto them, which of you have a friend? The word philos, friend. So this is not a real close. This is not a, a gushy type. This is not a sensual type friend. This is not uh, someone maybe necessarily that he would give his life for. This is a philos. This is a, a good friend. Uh, which of you have a friend and shall go to him in, in midnight, in the middle of the night, and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. Give me three loaves of bread. The need here was food. Uh, I'm reading a book called Cust Manners and Customs of the Bible, and I read it in college about 1966 or 67, the first time, and I'm rereading it now for the second time, and it talks about a lot of this. Hey, I, one of the things I read that was really uh, kind of uh, interesting to me, you, you know the, the book Lone Survivor, Marcus Luttrell, the movie that was made? Um, you remember how when he was rescued by these villagers, they took him in and they actually defended him with their own lives? I mean, they, they took on the Taliban themselves and uh, it, it blew my mind. I'm like, why would they? Why? I mean, when he's gone, the Taliban's still going to be there and these villagers are still going to be there. Why would they put themselves at risk for a total stranger? Well, I was reading uh, about a week ago in this Manners and Customs of the Bible and and it said in there that the mindset of the folks in that area are that if someone comes, a guest comes into your tribe, that you are to defend them with your own blood if necessary. So there it was, lived out in the life of Marcus Luttrell. But one of the other things that it talked about was uh, uh, the, the idea of, of food being such an important part of relationships in the Bible. So much took place around the table. We even have the Lord's, what we call the Lord's table here with the unleavened bread, with the fruit of the vine, which typifies the broken body of Christ, the shed blood of Jesus Christ, by which and through which we're saved if we have faith in what he did for us. So, so the table is very important. And, and the, one of the customs is someone came to your house and you would immediately offer them uh, something to eat and something to drink. And that was just the custom to do. Uh, it was something that, like this blood oath thing of bringing a guest into your, into your tribe, you, you had to take care of them and defend them to the death. Well, you had to offer something. And this guy didn't have anything to offer this friend that came in the middle of the night. So, so this parable, uh, the need is bread. Your need may be entirely different. Your need today may be some kind of a physical need, some kind of physical healing. Maybe a broken collarbone, Wyatt. And maybe a broken bone in your foot or whatever. What twist, I'm not sure. Broken bone. Yeah, fracture, Rose. It may be Jan getting the test results and getting encouraged about uh, good news that you're going to get, hopefully. 
Maybe your need is a physical need today. Maybe your need today is an emotional need. Maybe you're just drained. Maybe you're just absolutely wiped out. You've come to the end of yourself. I've got great news for you. When you come to the end of yourself, God's still there because there is no end to God. Amen? There is no end. So just tie a knot and hang on, baby. That's what you got to do. Maybe your need is spiritual strength. Maybe you've been floundering a little bit, making some really unwise decisions. Maybe you've been tempted in ways that you weren't prepared when the temptation came and you didn't have yourself, you didn't have your guard up and so on. And maybe your need is that. Maybe your need is victory over sin because you've already succumbed to some kind of temptation. Maybe it's a family situation that seems absolutely impossible. I just remind you, there is nothing impossible with God. Absolutely, with God, nothing is impossible. So whatsoever we pray, ask believing, and we'll receive it. And even if we haven't received it yet, keep on believing that God is going to answer our prayers. Maybe it's a business decision that you have to make um, coming up in the near future. I don't know, but whatever your need is, uh, just kind of substitute loaves of bread, your need. That's what it is. And then Philippians 4.19 says, my God shall supply all your need. Now, when I looked that up, I found out something I didn't know about that verse. First of all, shall supply means to fill, like filling up a vessel, like filling up a cup with coffee, like filling up a, 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 what do you call those, insulated cup with with whatever it is, iced tea or whatever, um, or, or filling up a hollow place. You ever work on wood and you have imperfections and you use wood filler to make it nice and smooth and level? Uh, so, um, so it's the fill in a hollow God will supply. He'll fill in the hollow places all your needs. Okay, here's what I learned. I always said when I preached this verse, I always said now needs are different from wants, right? There are things you need. You need oxygen. You need food. You need um, you know, things you need. And then there are things you want. Well, I found out this word that is translated need in the English means personal necessity and needs, but it also can mean wants. He can supply our desires and our wants according to his riches. This is indicating emotion from higher place to lower according to his riches, his abundance in glory, a place of truth and changelessness. How? By Christ Jesus. So that's uh, the, the present need. What is your present need? As we continue with the study this morning, what is your present need? Forget about bread if that's not your need. Substitute your need. Now, then the pressing need. Verse 6, for a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. I have nothing. I have nothing. Folks, in the final analysis, i got to tell you something. We have nothing. In the final analysis, everything we think we have, we're just, God has allowed us to have for a while and for a time. I preached a meeting uh, in Texas the other day, and I said, you know what? The truth of the matter is all of us are interim pastors. Every pastor there, it was a preacher's meeting. All of us are temporary because the time will come when we won't be able to preach. The time Billy Graham was temporary. God gave him a long life, but he's not here now. So all of us are kind of temporary. Everything we have is just for a while. And, and it's important when we have a need to understand that we have that need. We come to the end of ourselves. We come to the point where we say we have nothing. In some situations, you call it hitting rock bottom. When we've tried everything we can try, when, we, when, when our own self-strength, uh, our own ability, our own uh, confidence in the flesh absolutely failed us so many times, we just come to the point where we say, you know what? 
I, I can't do it. I absolutely can't do it. In our studies that we're doing with everything, with stepping up, with, with uh, uh, the, the pornography things, with the, the, uh, all of that stuff, uh, all these studies we've had, you have to come to the end of yourself. If you have alcohol problems, drug problems, you have to come to the end of yourself. You have to say, you know what, I can't do it. I've tried, but I can't do it. And when we finally realize we have nothing, then we're ready for God to meet our needs. In 1991, I was in Moscow, in the streets of Moscow. They had just opened it up for tourism and so on. And, and it's the saddest thing in the world. It was in October or November. It was absolutely freezing cold. And people were lined up on the sidewalk selling whatever it is they could sell. Some of them had an apple or two. They were trying to sell to get some money. Some of them had some car part that I could, I didn't have no idea what it was. And, you know, who would need that specific part that happened to walk by that corner at that specific time and buy that part from this guy? Some of them had, I remember one lady had her wedding ring. They were just trying to sell something to get something so they could keep body and soul together. And, and, and the tragedy is when they did sell whatever, we went walk into the bakeries, there was no bread. Nothing. It would come maybe once a week or once every week and a half, and the, the word would get out, and they would immediately sell out all the bread they had. And supermarkets wouldn't have anything in the shelves to speak of, just a few cans of, uh, of food. They had nothing. And, folks, sometimes we have to come to a point where we have nothing to understand that God has everything. And why are we resisting him? And why are we insisting on doing things our own way when God has abundance? He has supplied our need out of his abundance. His shelves are never empty. His bakery is always full. As Christians, we need to show our love when we have and others don't. We need to help them out, and that's showing our love. In 1 John 3, 17, if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? When we can alleviate someone's problem, when we can put food in their stomach, when we can clothe those who are cold and with the temperatures we have right now, when we can do something and we don't, what kind of love is that? What kind of love for God do we really have and love for other people? So, so it should lead naturally to sharing our love. In Luke 6, 38, given it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. The idea of putting something in an old bushel basket. How many remember the old bushel baskets? I don't mean the kind with holes in them because it wouldn't work, okay? I'm not talking about laundry baskets today. The old bushel baskets where they'd put apples and peaches and grain in and put corn, and, and you put that in, and you just keep, and, and you'd shake it kind of, and, and it would settle, and you'd get more in there and just kind of heap it on. That's what he's talking about here. If you give, it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Shall God give? No. Shall men give unto your bosom? God will use people, when you are a giver, when you share, God will give to you, God will share with you, for with the same measure, in other words, the same size shovel that you use, it shall be measured unto you again. This doesn't just apply to tithing and giving offerings. This talks about everyday interaction with people who have needs. And if we're able to, if we, if we can be generous with people, 
God will bless us and other people will be generous to us. I, I don't know how, my wife is the most generous person I know. And if, if I were more spiritual, she'd give everything we've got away. But I can only be so spiritual, I have to draw the line somewhere, you know what I mean? But we try to be generous with people. We try to help people. We, try, we, we want to be faithful with our finances to God and to people. Well, a real long story that I'm not even going to tell you about in detail, but I'll tell you sometime. You remember that, the, the blue car I had, the blue Avanti that I had? Some of you have seen it. Somebody gave that to us. I'm just telling you, you, you've heard the saying, you can't outgive God. You really can't. God is faithful, and God says, and, and he did it through other people. He didn't, he didn't lower the car out of the skies, out of a cloud. He did it through two other people in particular who went together and bought that and gave that car to us. So sharing your love. You give, and it will be given to you. Other people will give to you. Spiritual love, Proverbs 25, 21. If you're, now listen to this, if, and I'm working on this deal. I've got a guy who was, a, who was an army ranger who, uh, who I've known since he was a little kid, he, and uh, he is, he's got some serious issues, a lot of PTSD and a lot of other issues, and I'm trying to work with him uh, with the concept of not having to hate your enemy. And I'm putting together some things, and, and I've consulted some other guys who are warriors. Some of you uh, I probably need to talk to, but, uh, but, but I'm, I've been told so far, and I'm not a warrior. I've never been on a battlefield. I've never had to dodge bullets. I, I don't know what all that is like, so I don't pretend to know. But I do know this, that people have told me who I trust. You don't have to hate the enemy. In fact, that might be a, a problem for you. You have to hate what they do and what happens when they get their, ideal, uh, their ideals uh, in operation in, in, in a community or whatever, you know, beheading people and, and raping and pillaging and all that kind of, you hate all that. You don't have to hate the individual to do your job. That's what I'm told. And I hope that's the case. And I'm putting together something to try to, to share with this young man. But if your enemies, this is what the wisest man who ever lived said, if your enemies are hungry, give them food to eat. If they're thirsty, give them water to drink. That's counterintuitive. If your enemy's hungry, let them starve to death. That makes sense to Jim Bays. If your enemy is thirsty, don't give me anything to drink. But God, God's ways are not our ways. And God says, your enemies, if your enemy is hungry, give him something to eat. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. There's that spiritual love that goes beyond this person doesn't like me. And then surrendered love, Luke chapter 10, verse 34. Going over to him, you remember the story of the Good Samaritan. The Samaritan, half Jew, half Gentile, detested by the Jewish community, not even accepted by the Gentile community, kind of mongrels, half-breeds. And he comes by, and there's a Jewish man who's been attacked, remember? And the priest and the Levite come by at different times. They don't help him at all. But here comes the Samaritan, who the Jews despise. And he goes over to him, and he soothed the Jews' wounds with olive oil and poured the wine in as a disinfectant and he bandaged him up and then he put him up on his own beast of burden and took him to the nearest Motel 6 and gave him a charge card and said, put it on my account. If he needs any more than that, go ahead and, and I'll settle up when I come next time. He took care of him. That's surrendered love. 
That's God saying, here's someone who has a need. He doesn't look like me. He maybe doesn't like me. But I need to help him. Because he's in danger. And then there's providing those needs. Will we do that? How can we call ourselves Christian and be Christ-like when we see people who have such pressing needs and do nothing to help them? Second point is this, selfishness and the need. Verse 7, suppose he calls out from the bedroom, the guy who you, who's been awakened, he calls out from his bedroom or from within, literally, the, the word there is not so much bedroom as it is from the innermost parts of his being. He calls out from his soul, don't bother me. Leave me alone. And it has the connotation of beating on his breath. Leave me alone. I'm sleepy. I'm tired. I don't need this. The door's locked for the night. As if it can't be unlocked. My family and I are in bed. My whole family has gone to bed. Additionally, many of the Oriental homes in, in Bible days had one room for sleeping. And so if you get up and walk around, you wake the kids up. And that's a real blessing, right? Mommy, I want some water. I need to go potty. You got the whole routine to go through again. He says, I can't help you. And the words there, I can't help you, literally mean I can't help you to stand upright again. The Samaritan needed help standing upright again. There are a whole bunch of people you and I come in contact with every day who need help standing upright again spiritually, physically, morally. However, are we going to help them? Are we going to be like this? This guy who had a selfish attitude, the homeowner didn't want to get involved like the priest and Levite and the good Samaritan. He had like the rich farmer of Luke chapter 12, verse 16. When the rich farmer had a fertile field that produced fine crops, he said to himself, what am I going to do? I don't have any room for my crops. His barns were absolutely bursting full. And he said, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my existing barns and build bigger ones. And then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, uh, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, what? You fool. Now, do I need to remind you that the word of God cautions us to call anybody a fool? And yet here's God calling someone a fool. Because he was concerned only about himself. Selfishness with needs all around him. You fool, you're going to die this very night, and then who will get everything you worked for? Again, we're just caretakers of what God gives us. Whatever we have, be it little or be it much, it's not really ours. It's God's. Selfish ambition, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That is completely. Love God in totality. Love him uh, as much as, as humanly possible, giving everything to him. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, that will combat, combat the selfishness that's in our lives. And then the last point is this, sharing the need. Verse 8. This is kind of funny to me. I got a weird sense of humor. I say to you, though, he will not rise and give him because he's his friend. He, he drew a line. He said, you know, I'm your friend, but there is a limit, buddy, and you have just crossed the line. I'm not going to get up. But because he wouldn't give up and give him bread because he's his friend, yet because of his 
importunity. You know what that word means? Shameless persistence. Hey, hey, are you, hey, you still awake in there? Hey, I, I really, hey, could I have some bread? Please give me some bread. Please, hey, come on, can you? Because he kept it up and was driving the guy crazy. Wasn't because his friend, he finally got, okay, okay, okay. His impudence, his imprudence, rather, and not showing care for the consequences of his action. The guy is liable to come to the door and punch him in the nose. His rashness, his recklessness, his audaciousness, because, because they wouldn't get up and give it to him because he was a friend, but because the guy just wouldn't shut up, he got up and gave him his needs. This is where it's hard for me to make the application with God because it's like, it's like, am I supposed to bug God until he answers my prayer? Yeah. There's daily prayer. Confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And there's something about persistence will help meet the need. So I've heard people say, well, you know what, preacher, I prayed about it and it didn't happen, so I, I, don't, I don't ask God for that anymore. I don't ask God for anything anymore. I've heard people say that. I'm like, are you kidding me? You just asked one time and you gave up? Persistence. Hey, Muslims pray what, seven times a day? Five times a day, is it? Five times a day? David prayed three times a day. He says in Psalm 55, evening, morning, and at noon, assuming that's the, the main times. He, I, will I pray and cry aloud? Daniel prayed several times a day with his windows open, knowing that the consequences are going to be he's going to be thrown in the den of lions. He, did, he didn't close. You know, you know what I would have done? Okay, I'm going to go home to pray. Now it's time to pray. I'm going to close my windows, pull the shades. No one looking. I can pray. He left the windows open, shades up, and prayed. We were at Applebee's a couple of weeks ago and getting lunch. And we started to eat, and a lady got up from a table close to us and came over and said, I just want to, I just want to say thank you for praying before you ate. You can be a testimony to people. Just by being faithful to God. We didn't pray for her benefit. We were just asking, we were thanking God for the food that he was providing. Thanking God we live in a country where we can go to a restaurant and get, thanking God we have the means to be able to do that. Determined prayer. James 5, 17, 18 says, listen to this, Elijah was, a, was human as we are. Elijah, when he walked, his feet touched the dirt. He got dirt between his toes, okay? If it was raining, he got mud on his feet. He, didn't, he, he wasn't coming out some kind of a hover prophet. Three inches off the ground. He was a human being like you and like me, and yet he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, and guess what? None fell for what? Three and a half years. 
And then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. There's a prayer. There's a powerful prayer. Lord, shut up the heavens. Don't give this wicked king any rain for three and a half years. And he didn't. Okay, Lord, go ahead and rain. And he did. Then there's dedicated prayer in John 15, 7. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want. And it shall be granted. Compare that to Psalm 37, 3 through 5, which says, Trust in the Lord and do good, so shalt thou dwell in the, in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself, in other words, be happy about uh, the Lord, and he will give you the desires, the requests, the petitions of your heart. Commit your way unto the Lord. Literally, roll your ways upon him. Roll, roll your desires upon him. He's, he's strong enough to carry every need, every desire that you have. Roll those upon him and trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. In other words, he's going to make it work. All kinds of lessons in this passage. Christianity is supposed to see and supply people's needs. That's one lesson. We're supposed to see, be watching, be mindful. When people have needs and we, have, we can do something about it, the Dills have needs. We need to do something about it. So I don't know them. So? Maybe when you have a need, someone you don't know will bless you. They are, they are worthy of someone blessing them, I will promise you. But the people all around you have needs. The man at the door wouldn't give up. His persistence paid off. Keep on asking, keep on knocking, keep on seeking. God, for whatever reason, God wants us to petition him. And sometimes he wants us to keep on petitioning him. Keep on unless God makes you know very definitely that it's not his will. And then and only then stop. So, preacher, how do, how do I know, how do I protect against praying for something I don't need to be praying for? Well, you could pray like Jesus prayed. In the garden, he prayed, Father, let this cup pass from me. Had God granted that petition, had his father granted that petition? We would not be saved today. We would have no remedy for our sins today. We say, wait a minute, if we ask anything, he will hear us and answer. But you know what Jesus prayed at the end of that prayer? Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, thy will be done. And as much as we possibly can, we need to always, always, always tack on to our prayers with purpose. Lord, this is what I want. This is what I need. This is what I would like to see happen. This is what I, I, I yearn for, I pray for. But, Lord, your will be done. Your will be done. If my will is contrary to yours, your will be done. Would you bow your heads? When's the last time you had an answer to prayer? I mean, it was so obvious and so clear and so amazing.
It was just God saying to you, here's the answer. Here's what you wanted. Here's what you prayed for. Here's what you asked for. That ought to be a kind of routine for us. When's the last time you... I've heard of people who've prayed for a loved one for 20, 30, and even 40 years to be saved. Do you have that kind of perseverance? That kind of importunity? That kind of faith that God will, in fact, answer your prayers if you're faithful? What is it, the need that you have right now? Would you take a moment? Would you pray to God right now? You don't have to pray out loud. You can if you want to. I don't care. But whatever your need is, take it to God right now. Take a moment to examine your own heart because in a moment we're going to come to the Lord's table. And the Word teaches if we judge sin in our own lives, then He doesn't have to. So right now, what sin is prevalent in your life, confess it to God. Ask Him to forgive you. Ask Him to cleanse your heart and your mind and your hands and your feet and your eyes and your tongue. Ask Him to give you eyes to see the needs that are all around you and a desire to help those whom you can help for the glory of God. Father, I thank you for the privilege of prayer, for the discipline of prayer, for the promises of prayer, for the power of prayer. And Lord, if there are those here this morning whose faith and trust in prayer has waned because they didn't see something work out the way they prayed for it to, or they didn't get an answer that they were wanting, Pray, Lord, that you would help us to recommit to helping people, to being the hands and feet of Jesus, but also to praying when we ourselves have needs, trusting you to meet those needs through others. God, help First Baptist Church of Coronado to be your body, your hands, your feet, your eyes, your ears, your mouth. God, help us to make a difference. In Jesus' name.